I'm Anushka Dukas and welcome back to My Life in Seven Charms. For me, there are so few things which can evoke a memory like a tiny, detailed charm. In this new series, I'll be meeting seven extraordinary women and hearing their stories through this very special 18-karat gold biography. For the first episode of Series 2, I'll be meeting interior designer Sophie Ashby. It's really about, yeah, just listening and trying to really understand how somebody likes to live. Where do you like to have your morning cup of coffee? And are you watching the news or are you listening to the radio? And, you know, um, because once we know all of that, we can really design the perfect home around someone. And I just am such a strong believer that a really wonderful, well-designed, well-thought-out, beautiful home can enhance your, your life. Sophie's ascent has been remarkable. Founding her own agency, aged only 24, she has quickly gained a reputation for warm, uplifting rooms which are filled with beautiful art. Her Instagram following is made up of chic, savvy, interior-obsessed millennials who love her how-to advice. So I can't wait to hear about her journey so far and her life in Seven Charms. Sophie, thank you so much for agreeing to do this um, podcast today. And I'm really excited to talk to you because I think um, nobody knows yet, but I think you're very soon to have a baby in six weeks' time. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've, I've managed to keep it pretty quiet um, these last eight months and um, no one has seen me really, so it's not been too difficult. But yeah, I've got, got to tell the world at some point. So I thought as we're going to talk about my life and seven charms today the baby is going to play a part in that somewhere so I thought it would be nice to share it with you well I feel very uh very very honored actually I guess you're right um you can sit behind the desk and nobody would know the day I would have no idea actually looking at you (laughs) it's just the hot flushes yeah (laughs) I still can't tell (laughs) so your first charm is a teddy called Trudels um he's got very friendly teddy very friendly face um, and very loved, I think. So, so kind of lovely, slightly um, gold that feels like it's been around for a very long time and, and nurtured and cuddled. Um, his legs and arms will move. He is in yellow gold, with a bit of texture. And I think he should have black diamond eyes and a little tiny brown diamond nose. And he's a locket and his tummy opens and you can put something inside which might mean something to you. So that's the way I'd seen this cute little teddy. <laughs> it sounds gorgeous. Tell us why why you've chosen Trudels. Well, a, why is he called Trudels? And B, why the teddy? So Trudels, I have no idea where I plucked that name from. I think at some point I must have sort of made it up or smushed two names together or something. But um, I've had the bear since I was born. My mum got it for me before I was actually born. Um, He has a battery operated little heart that went inside him, which was meant to comfort a baby. And apparently I didn't get on very well with it as a newborn. So we took that out and it just left this pouch inside him. And um, at some point, my uncle gave me a cork from my parents' wedding that he'd kept. And uh, so I put that in inside the pouch instead. And that's where it still lives today. But the bear has been with me everywhere. And we moved quite a bit growing up. And, you know, 
embarrassingly he went off to uni with me and um was probably lingering about in my adult life a little too long and uh, recently I gave him to my stepdaughter and she loves she loves the bear as well now so it's just that thing when I think of home and I think of my bedroom as a child I think of trudels so yeah very special um squashed ancient looking bear basically that has been a big part of my childhood and you um I, I you said you moved a lot i mean how many times did you move when you were growing up uh, my parents hate me sort of referring to the number because i think they get embarrassed but it it's it was about 14 times until i kind of moved out and lived on my own and and you know became an adult but i was born in london and we lived in putney and wimbledon and places like that and then we moved to South Africa when I was uh, eight. My mum is South African and she got this brilliant job um, becoming the manager of a wine farm. And it was just really formative um, for my sister and I. Uh, it was this adventure and we had all this space and living in nature and all the sort of going on safari and stuff. It was just a dream, really. So, yeah, we we were there and for about three three, four years, and then we came back and um, moved to Devon. And then my parents moved to Portugal um, when I was about uh, 1920s. So we've lived in lots of places and within those destinations, lots of ho- different homes as well. Oh, I mean, they were obviously you know, serial movers, but I, I just wondered whether they were moving because your mum liked doing up houses as well. Is that something that that influenced the move, do you think? Um, I think it was part of it. Certainly in the early days in the sort of 80s and 90s, they were doing a little bit of doing up houses and selling them in in those glory days when you could do that and make a good profit, I think. Um, But no, I think she she in particular just sort of has itchy feet a bit. I have have a slight fear that I might have picked up the same (laughs) affliction because I've I've already moved quite a lot as an adult. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to settling down and creating a kind of family home and staying put. Just out of interest, this Trudels came with you everywhere. But in all of these moves, was there something that absolutely meant home to you? Because I guess... When you move that often, what signifies home? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think there are a few things that, a few belongings that my parents have, which is definitely part of the reason I became interested in being an interior designer. They've got this one big painting of Cape Town, actually. And every time that came out of a box and was hung up, it just felt like home. And, you know, the familiarity of seeing these possessions in different places and spaces so I think that's where my fascination with with home and how important those things are started. Yeah, I guess I guess undoing and making up your bedroom again. Were you able to decide where your you know where the furniture was going to go and you know because I know you you've studied spatial design, didn't you? So I wonder whether it started very early on in your life. I think it definitely did, and my parents were very um, relaxed about that. I think I have memories of my dad helping me kind of upcycle and paint pieces of furniture and and sort of realise some of my probably really dodgy kind of shabby chic inspired ideas at the time. Um, And that definitely had um, a part to play in um, where I am now, I think. I mean, your second charm um, is a pair of binoculars. I love the idea of a pair of binoculars because I think we could make them so beautiful in probably white gold with 
black pave diamonds, so tiny little diamonds with black rhodium, so you'd never see the claws that hold the stones in place, um, turning and, and moving exactly as a pair of binoculars would, with just crystal where they're uh, instead of the lens, and just completely three-dimensional. But um, tell me why. I mean, I, I'm kind of guessing why, you're, why you've chosen binoculars, but, but I'd love to know why binoculars. Well, so um, those sort of formative years when I was between kind of the age of eight and 12 and we lived in South Africa have made such a big impact on me. And when I began working for myself and for the first time had some sort of financial independence and freedom and was able to do things I really wanted to do age kind of 25, I started going back um, to South Africa every year. And uh, I've got a childhood a best friend from school who I'm still very close with. And together we would have these wonderful weeks in Cape Town where I just felt so inspired by the landscape and the lifestyle and nature and the people. And and then we would always try and tail off the trip with um, a bit of time in the bush. And I, it's just my happy place. It sort of feeds feeds my soul, and there's nothing better for me than a sort of pretty basic holiday in the bush, camping and rattling around on the back of a Land Cruiser, looking for animals and not thinking about too much for hours on end. Well, or, or actually, rather, thinking about a lot for hours on end while you scour the bush looking for something. Um, I don't actually mind at this point if I see an animal or not. I just love the time spent there and the days that you have and the early starts and the sunrises and the sunsets and everything about it is just as good as it gets for me. Do you think that your work is is very inspired by Africa? It is and it's subtle I think it's it comes through the colours and the materials and the sort of love of natural materials and not interfering with things too much um, but then I'm also you know an, an, a passionate art collector of contemporary African art and that therefore comes through. Um, it is it is rather a, a constant thread. It just um, it sometimes it's it's harder to spot than others, but it's certainly always in the back of my head. It could be, yes, I, I imagine it could just be just a tiny hint of something. Actually, I've I've found that having spent some time there myself, I my, I've got a kind of collection that's not obviously Africa, but it's definitely come from there <laughs> in terms of you know textures and things. Yeah, just um. Uh, thinking about the binoculars, I mean, I guess that a lot of what you do is look through very, very closely at a lens at how how people live and and how people go about their lives. But my my question was, where do you, how do you start when a client comes to you and you've never met this client before, but they've come to you and they want you to do the project? What's the starting point? Is it is it a thing? Is it how, just can you just talk me through your process a bit? Yeah, it's a few different things. I mean, to begin with, it's a lot of listening and just trying to establish that relationship and assuming you've got past the sort of first date and, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've got a good feeling and they've got a good feeling. It's really about, yeah, just listening and trying to really understand how somebody likes to live. And we've got a sort of survey that we use as a um, grounding to ask and quiz our clients with pretty 
intimate kind of personal questions you know who wakes up first and are they showering and are they going to disturb you if they're showering oh god really really intimate yeah really intimate where do you like to have your morning cup of coffee and are you watching the news or are you listening to the radio and you know um because once we know all of that we can really design the perfect home around someone and I just am such a strong believer that a really wonderful well-designed well-thought-out beautiful home can enhance your your life it's interesting when you say that you give them a kind of questionnaire because if you gave me a questionnaire and said where do you have your cup of tea it would make me think about I'd be thinking well maybe Sophie you can suggest where I might have my cup of tea that I don't (laughs) do you know what I mean because it's force of habit that yeah and in a way as you say if you can make a room better and relaxing and you know actually you I guess it can go the other way it can change your clients habits to something better does that make sense totally and sometimes it's just about realizing someone's sort of dream like one of our um, clients wanted to be able to make a cup of tea without moving her feet so we needed to (laughs) (laughs) I think she drinks a lot of tea so we needed to make sure that we could reach the cup the tea bag the kettle the teaspoon and the milk and the bin you know all in one spot and those sorts of challenges you know she felt mad for suggesting it at the time but it just is like well god that makes so much sense I mean how many cups of tea do we all drink a day and wouldn't that just make life so much easier so um yeah there are these there are these little conversations that come out of thinking about it all do you consider if somebody says to you where where would where is home for you because would you say it's would it be South Africa not now but uh, in in terms of growing up would it have been that yeah I, been? I never know how to answer that question I think it would be I feel British I feel British with a some with a bit of something else going on a bit of confusion yeah. um <laughs> but yeah no now London is home and and it's where my husband is and where my family is my my new family I suppose my my family that me and my husband are creating soon growing family yeah Yeah. (laughs) growing family um but but you you said um that you feel kind of you know you love the countryside etc do you think that's something that will change now you're about to have a baby and you obviously love the countryside yeah I I think it will change so we're having a lot of conversations at the moment especially spurred on by a year of lockdown being trapped in our house in London um albeit a lovely house we kind of I have been dreaming of 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 trees and green spaces and yeah I think I I'll be a happy girl if we can find a way to spend a bit more time in the countryside and to raise our children there as well um it was it was so spoiling and special for me growing up I, I just can't really imagine not giving that to my kids So Sophie, your third charm is the zodiac sign of Aries. And actually, you're particularly lucky, I think, because um, it's it, the birthstone for this month is diamonds. And everybody would love to have diamonds as their birthstone. Yes, convenient, that. <laughs> oh, it's what's that? <laughs> Very convenient. So uh, I had I had visualised it as the Aries sign, the ram, and I'd like to make his horns out of diamonds. I see it as a kind of like a coin, like a two-dimensional coin. So the, the ram's head will come out of the coin, be slightly raised, so that when you rub your hand over it, it'll be raised, a bit like an old Roman coin. Tell, I mean, tell me about, I, I, do you think you're a typical Aries? I mean, I think Aries are... Uh, 
motivated, confident, fiery? Are there those things yes. that you recognise? <laughs> <laughs> they are. And I don't know, I don't go in, to, in for horoscopes that much, but I remember being a kid and you know, realizing that I was an Aries and reading my horoscope and all the characteristics of being an Aries and quite liking what I was reading. And so I think it's sort of one of those mind body things that I've kind of channeled being an Aries. Um, Somehow it just feels like me and my journey of growing up somehow and realizing who I am. And I think really the making of me was starting my business and, um, that sort of springboard just changed my life really in so many ways and sort of changed how I feel about myself and who I am and it's all tell, tell just... me more about that what, what, what do you mean by that because you I mean you started your business when you were 24 is that right uh 25 25 yeah. um yeah I mean that's 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 pretty young, actually, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I was totally clueless. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was, you know, entirely driven by naivety, really, of what I've, I was getting myself into and just a bit of hope and wishing on a prayer kind of thing. Um, had you always known? Did you always think, I'm going to run my own my own show? I think I probably thought that. It wasn't so black and white. I knew that I was strong-minded and how I thought shit things should be done and how I wanted to do things. And I had this great job working for this company called Spring and Mercer, and I had lots of responsibility and autonomy. They were, they were very respectful of me and my opinion. And, you know, it felt like we were doing it together. And I, but I, I felt a frustration that I wasn't doing it exactly how I wanted to do it. And an opportunity presented itself for me to basically take on a project on my own. And, um, my bosses didn't want to do it. It wasn't quite the right project and budget for us, which I was furious about. But with hindsight now, I realise that's a totally reasonable reaction. Um, what, now you're them to... in studio. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had a conversation with this with this guy who has since become one of my very best friends. And um, he just said, well, if you'd go out on your own um, you know, you could do this and I'll give it to you as your first project. And that's what I did because I just sort of had nothing to lose. I, I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't own any property. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't, you know, all I had was a sort of bit of student debt and like a rent staying with a friend in their spare room. So I just thought, why, why the hell not? And turned out to be the right decision. And, and one, that project sort of quickly swelled to two or three more within the next month or so. And the rest is history, really. But it was just the it was just the making of me. You know, I've learned so much about so many things and being a businesswoman and wearing all the different hats that you have to wear to to which, you know, all too well, I am sure. Um, it's fascinating and it's fun and it's just it's scary and it's lonely sometimes as well, but um, I've enjoyed so much kind of learning about lots of different things and not yeah. actually just feeling like all I am is an interior designer or a designer. I feel like that's part of what I am, but yeah. I, I even tentatively use the word entrepreneur sometimes now, <laughs> which feels it's a bit funny, scary. Yeah, scary. I mean, it's but do you think, I mean, I, I – um... I started well. I took on a business when I was kind of twenty four as well. But I think it's, do you think there's something about being young that you you don't even really. It's not scary because you don't really even think about 
what the consequences might be. Do you think there's yeah. something about that that you just like get on with totally. it? Totally. Totally. That's all. It, I'm sure that was like 95% of it. It just, if I was doing it now, oh my God, like, you know, all the things to consider and the responsibilities of life. I, I'm sure it would, I'm sure I'd never do it now. No, exactly. So. What, what's what been the most difficult? Because, I mean, as you say, you've had to, you, you've, you've learned it all on the, on the job, if you like. But what's been the most difficult part of running your business? It's almost the same thing that I love about it is the thing that is sometimes extremely difficult about it. And, you know, what we are is basically a service. We don't sell a product with Studio Ashby. We don't sell a product. We sell a service. And so it's all about people and those relationships. And the best thing about it is those relationships and the people I've met. But at the same time, it can be the people that make it really difficult. Like, I think when you're dealing with the sort of extraordinary clientele that we're dealing with occasionally you just come a, come against a tricky shocker. scenario <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, a bit of a shocker yeah and it, it's only happened maybe three or four times in the last seven or eight years which I suppose is pretty good going it's but good, yeah. it always just takes me by total surprise and I just can't you know I just like a little baby can't believe that someone would be so horrible kind of thing or or something, something yes. along those lines. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do find that a bit difficult sometimes. Um, Presumably now you have grown, you, you've got, you can delegate. I mean, cause dele- I've always found that delegation when I was certainly younger was much, was one of the hardest things. It's always easier to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Do you know, I'm very good at delegating. I, Are you? <laughs> I think I'm sort of fundamentally quite lazy deep down inside. And so I've, I've found a way of delegating um, pretty well. I also have a, an amazing second in command, Fiona, whose brain is like the other half of mine. So all the things that I can't do, she can do. And so together we figure a lot of it out. Um, but no, delegating is totally key. I agree. Oh. So your next charms of a rose. I was really interested when you told me you wanted to to have a rose, but you said, "But I really don't want an actual rose because I think it's going to be really horrible." (laughs) (laughs) I actually think we could make a really beautiful rose, but I haven't done that. Um, I think you wanted rose because your sister's called Rose. Yeah. Um, So I've just written the word "sister" in individual uh, letters, made of rose gold. Um, with a little diamond over the eye and it's linked by kind of individual in little just little little jump rings so that it will it'll move I, I really don't like charms that are stiff and don't mm. move with you um, but if you were if you were ever gonna have a rose I promise you I could make you a gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Rose yeah so Rose is my younger sister she's two years younger than me um and she's just my very best friend um we fought like cats and dogs growing up she was so irritating <laughs> and she stole all my clothes and she ruined my fun with my friends and she embarrassed me and as teenagers we we quabbled and then my parents moved to Portugal when yeah I was about uh, 19 20 so Rose would have been about 18 and I think we both realized that we should probably hang on to each other and and review our relationship um, (laughs) because we were going to need each other and ever since we've just been best as pals and she is so different to me um, 
she's so f- sort of free spirited and light. And I've always felt that I'm as the elder sister kind of more serious and mature and got lots of responsibility. And, you know, I had lots of fun in my twenties, but nothing like what, what she got up to. And she's, <laughs> she, um, she just knows how to have a good time and she doesn't stress and worry and overthink. And she's not all in her head like I am. And I think her life, I just look at her and her life and it just seems so joyful and full of sunshine that I, find spending time with her just the best she's a life life enhancer she's a life enhancer exactly yeah and I I just adore her and she's also so talented she's a chef and um, she's the head chef at spring um, this gorgeous restaurant in Somerset House owned by Sky Gingell Um, and I think the two of us without really thinking about it have become sort of like if we were together the perfect little homemaker I can't cook and she's not great at design but if we were if we were to combine ourselves so interesting um, with your background isn't it yeah because food is so much about home isn't it yeah and the sort of food that she cooks and she cooks with Sky is that wonderfully comforting delicious uncomplicated food as well it's not all frilly and fancy and you know so yeah, she's she's just a a big part of my life. And when I wanted to set up this new company last year, um, I was trying to figure out what to call it. And it's essentially it's sort of a, the sister company to Studio Ashby, um, and it's it's product. So it's selling the it's a shoppable version of our interior worlds that we create. Essentially, it's really fun, and it was kind of to satisfy a kind of creative itch that needed scratching which sounds so crazy because what I do is creative but um sometimes whilst I am being creative it feels like it's it's within the conditions of a pressure cooker kind of thing and um it made me think a lot about Rose because I just thought this is basically I'm tr- I'm sort of trying to create another business so that I can be a bit more like Rose and have a bit more fun <laughs> and kind of be feel a bit more free and so I called it sister. I called this new I business sister. Her. Was she thrilled yeah. by that? Oh yeah, she tells everyone she's my muse, which is quite Literally. right. Um, <laughs> but also, it's in, in an ode to all of the strong women in my life. I have an older um, sister called Harriet, who's who's training to be a midwife. All my wonderful girlfriends and all, my mum, and all of these strong, amazing feminine um, characters in my life. I just. I just wanted it to be about that and to celebrate femininity and female strength and relationships. And so Sister is kind of all about that, basically. So quite a lot of it is kind of repurposing. Is that right? Yeah. And you're probably not going to tell us, but are there particular places that you go (laughs) to particular car boot sales? Or I mean, I love a car boot sale. I love a car boot sale. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there are. I mean... There are the ones that everyone knows about, like Kempton and Ardingly in the, in England, which are great. But we we go all over the place um, as well, and and Europe and stuff. So yeah, it's just whatever we can lay our hands on. And I just was determined not to just produce a whole load of product just for the sake of it, because a big part of it as well is with what I do. Sometimes you come across some quite gruesome waste in that you know 
someone might buy a £10 million apartment and it's perfectly great, um, but they don't like the bathroom and kitchen and flooring and it all comes out and it does sort of keep me up at night a bit that goes that, in the skip. <laughs> yeah, that waste. And I think especially with my South African background, it's um it's it really hurts. <laughs> um, you know, my mum is someone who like keeps every tea bag and cork and finds a new second use for it. <laughs> Um, so I've got a bit of that in me. My dad will eat a piece of cheese that's been sitting in the fridge for three months. Um, so yeah, the waste of life really bothers me. And, um, so we're trying very hard with sister. It's really a challenge, but we're trying very hard to not add to that problem. And so we're, we're giving things a second lease of life or, you know, when we, when we do make something to order, it's a, it's an heirloom kind of forever piece and, and of that level of quality that means that it you know it should never really have to go in the bin so um yeah that's kind of part of the motivation as well this is probably a really annoying question but (laughs) if if you were to describe your style either for sister or or studio ashby well how would you describe it i would say um it's eclectic Uh, there's always a mix of old and new it's colorful um I have this sort of philosophy, which is start with the art, um, which is something that I say to myself when we we always start a new project, because whether that comes from a client's own artwork or we're sourcing a new artwork that is the kind of anchor and starting point for that room, for me, the art is uh, the piece or the thing in a space that has the biggest potential to change your mood and impact you and adjust the sort of feeling of that room. So. Um, art plays a really big part in what we do and yeah I I just like things to feel layered and rich and um, but then also for there to be a freshness and and a simplicity to a space I hate I hate clutter but I love stuff so it's just trying to (laughs) (laughs) play with that balance now um, Charlie's Boots (laughs) (laughs) um now charlie is your husband anyway i loved your description actually i thought gosh i'm not sure i can i can gun a better it because you said um well first of all you said that they're leather military boots and he wears and they've got 18 18 holes for the for the lace and he obviously wears them with red socks Mm. Um, you said i'd like it to be in carved ebony uh for the boots um, and have kind of rubies at the top uh, to represent the socks. Um, but I think it's really important that the bottom of the boot is very much as close to the tread of whatever is on the bottom of his <laughs> military boots. And you said you'd like to have his initials on it. So you can see on the bottom of the sole, we've we've put CCH. So that's kind of, that's the way I, I would see it, just completely as perfect a military boot as we can get in in sounds um, awesome (laughs) (laughs) um how did you meet we met on a blind date actually so um a friend set us up and uh, on the on the simple premise that we were both tall and both creative, he thought we'd be a good match. Um, That's and quite random. <laughs> so random. <laughs> <It's> quite random. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I was, I was, he asked me what I was looking for and I just said someone tall. It was really my only requirement. I don't know why I was so fixated on that at the time, but he did produce someone who's nearly six foot seven. Oh my God. How how tall are you? (laughs) I'm 5'10". Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we we met on this first date and it was um it's a cheesy love story I'm afraid. We I knew within literally like 5 minutes that he was the most perfect person for me ever and um oh I think he thought the same and um yeah, we just went full pelt from there and haven't looked back and he uh I met him the same year I set up my business. So it, the, perhaps that's that's why I feel I've changed kind of so much or grown up so much since that that special year but um he's just the loveliest sweetest kindest man which makes him sound a bit wet but it is he isn't he's strong and principled and intelligent and sensitive his family are extraordinary he comes from this long huge sprawling legacy of overachieving fascinating brilliant people not least um his own parents and his father joe casely hayford who very sadly passed away a couple of years ago but um he's a fashion designer and a tailor and he has a has a company called casely hayford which has got a little shop on chilton street which is actually where i'm currently sitting recording (laughs) this podcast because it's nice and quiet and locked down and um yeah he's just everything really and um but you're very you you come from very different backgrounds, is that right? We are very, very different, but somehow it just works and he's um he's very kind and patient and um easy. He's just super easy and he reminds me a lot of my dad, who is the loveliest man as well, and um has coped very well having a strong <laughs> strong wife in the form of my mother and to two crazy girls with Rose and I um and so yeah I just feel like I've hit the jackpot really with Charlie and um yeah so he had he had to be represented in a charm somewhere oh, God. Well, well it's a lovely charm do you um both coming from a kind of real design background um I mean what happens at home is he are you fully in control of the way that the way your house looks I mean I'm sure everyone wants to know what is your baby's bedroom going to look like? (laughs) (laughs) Is it a discussion or is it just, this is, because you must be so sure Mm. about what you're, what you like. (laughs) I'd like to say it is a discussion. (laughs) There are things that we discuss and and those are the artworks usually. So what, what we're deciding to buy together art wise, we, I definitely discuss with him. Um, But on the whole, I would I have to admit he probably doesn't get much of a look in. And I, I can't really contemplate a universe where he would put his foot down and tell me I can't do something. I think I'd have the world's biggest tantrum. So he probably knows better and just steps out of the way. And then, you know, I think he's very lucky because then he just gets to sit back and enjoy it and live there. And, you know, he loves uh, my style or so at least he promises me. And so I think for him it's... um it's an easy win. Um, he's definitely got an opinion and is in a real is a real aesthete yeah. and knows his stuff. Um, and occasionally he'll be like, "I don't get that. That's not very nice." And I'll, I'll probably just ignore him or and hope um, he comes. Or, or, or we'll say, "Don't worry, you'll come round to it." 
Just back to that question, because I'm sure everyone wants to know what your baby's bedroom might look like. Mm. Mm. God, it's a good question. It's I haven't really figured it out. About it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what we're having, so that makes it all a little bit more difficult. But um, well, we, I can't imagine it was either going to be pink or blue. No, true, <laughs> <just> true. <laughs> um, I'm a bit worried it doesn't feel very kiddy, which I think I was always going to do. I, I have found it truly difficult actually, because I think everything on the market for kids and babies' bedrooms is so um in this like nordic scandy style which i really don't like and i'm i'm hunting and searching for stuff and i can't really find what i'm looking for but um i've tried to just make it very calm and peaceful and then I, there's lots of color coming through with the art and i've got some um svensten fabrics which is this brilliant swedish fabric house which does really like joyful fun loud prints and stuff so It'll be a higgledy-piggledy mix-match of stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it'll all come together in the end. Uh, so your your sixth charm is um, the moon and the stars, you said. Mm. It's a three-dimensional crescent moon, and then sitting in the kind of crescent of the moon is a star which is made of a pearl with little diamonds around it. And, and both the moon and the star spin independently. Ooh. Very Sounds difficult great. to describe this, but you're going to have to. <laughs> I'm with you. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, but um, other than there's something so beautiful and romantic about the moon and the stars, why have you chosen moon and the stars? <laughs> I guess I'm looking to the next part of my life, which is becoming a mum. And um, I'm already a semi-mum because I'm a stepmum to um, my stepdaughter, Rainbow, who's Charlie's seven-year-old daughter, who I adore and is just the cutest little cherub ever and um, just like her dad. Is she excited? She is so excited. Yeah, so excited. I think she'll be really disappointed if it's anything other than a baby sister, but we'll have to cross that bridge. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, I've always wanted to be a mum. I've always loved babies. I've been broody f forever and, you know, at least since I met Charlie, have wanted to just have babies, but we had to kind of get to a point where I could do that with work and um, to be there and for it to be happening and we're at the end now. I just feel, well, we're at the beginning, um, but I just, I'm just so excited and um, my mum has been the most extraordinary mum to me and I just hope that... I can do the same. And I know that Charlie will be a wonderful dad because he's already doing it. Um, so, yeah, it's just the moon and the stars is what I think of my own little family in the form of Charlie and baby and rainbow and future sproglets. And I'm just very excited about that. And I'm sure a whole life is about to change, but it, for, for all the right reasons. And I'd like to have lots of babies, but we probably won't. I'd like to have a huge family. <laughs> um, yeah, be careful what you wish for. I know. I've got four. Oh, four. gosh. And that's, well, it is absolutely wonderful. Um, do you think, do you, how do you think your own childhood will inform how you bring up your baby? What do you think you will take from your own childhood? Gosh, so much. I mean, I was so lucky and, and so privileged and I have the most wonderful parents and I hope I can replicate it 
in many ways. I think the adventure, absolutely, and the kind of getting to know different cultures. I hope that somehow Africa is able to be a part of um, our children's lives. I mean, uh, Charlie's ancestors are from Ghana, but he's only ever been there once, I think, when he was a child. And so we really want to go to Ghana and um, spend some time there and make that a part of our lives as well, as well as St. Kitts, where his mother is from in the Caribbean. Um, so I hope there'll be adventure and travel, um, but pr- probably not quite so much moving. I like the idea of really nesting and having a family home that we have for a long time. I've got friends whose parents live in the house that they were all born in kind of thing. And I just think that's really romantic and lovely and um Perhaps we'll yeah. try and try and do that. Um, well, I wish you so much luck with it. Can't wait to hear Thank what you, you have. <laughs> so your final charm. So you said I want it to be different coloured golds to represent different ethnicities. Yeah, this is the United in Design charm, isn't it? So, yes. Yeah, yes. I thought you could be playful with different metals. Um, yeah, no, I, well, I love that. Um, I, I love that idea. So, I had, I had, I had visualised it again, a little bit um, like a coin: um, yellow gold, white gold, and rose gold, the three together. And you can see there are there are two hands um, holding hands, and one is got a, is a black rhodium hand holding a, a yellow gold hand to represent the ethnicities and on the back it just has a little a little heart i'd love you to tell me a little bit more about this charm you mentioned it is for united in design now is that the charity is that your charity am i right yeah so united in design is a charity that we started alex dawley and i um in june last year um it was a reaction to the george floyd uh, murder we were prompted, all of us, I think, to really have a good, long, hard look at ourselves. And I did the same. And um, on what is now being referred to as Blackout Tuesday, when everybody posted a black square on Instagram in solidarity, um, I did the same. And I looked through my Instagram feed and found it truly overwhelming to see the whole thing, just all black um, squares. But I also thought, this isn't really enough and what's going to happen tomorrow and do we all just resume and go back and I took the day off and lay on the sofa and really thought I I am not doing enough and I'm not running a diverse enough business and there is a definite problem in my industry with a lack of diversity and inclusion and um, no one's saying anything about it and no one's doing anything about it and so I decided to make a statement on Instagram along those lines and admit my own um, failings and shortcomings and sort of say it's promise to set out a path for how I was going to rectify it. Um, the industry is full of people who look and sound just like me, um, you know, the posh blonde interior designer who has been very privileged and gone to private school is is a, is a common thing um, in the world of interiors. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been very aware of that and embarrassed by it too. Um, So I just knew that there was a whole load of stuff that that needed to change. And 
So I made a list of things that I would do with my own business from scrutinizing our recruitment policies um, and looking at our diversity and inclusion from an HR perspective and thinking about work experience and what we could offer and apprentices and what we could offer and thinking about schools outreach and all these different touch points that would have a cumulative effect and so yeah anyway I met Alex Dawley through Instagram and together we sort of created a bit of a plan for what change might look like and and then that developed into a charity and and the idea was to put businesses like mine um, at the front of the change because we spoke to a whole load of institutions and sort of governing bodies that in theory run our industry and it was all very disappointing and and just slow moving in response and we just thought this is never yeah. gonna get us anywhere and we we want action now to cut a long story short we've got about 160 businesses and um, they've all committed to take the pledge and you have to pay a small annual subscription which allows us to run the charity and support by uh, providing all of the candidates so we've got five apprentices starting a year-long placement across four different companies which was which is sort of the jewel in our crown that's so clever because that means they'll move around different businesses and get a really holistic view exactly going from maker to supplier to designer um and it's you know four opportunities for them to prove themselves make contacts build their network get their foot in the door and the caliber of students who we've had um who we were choosing from we had a lot of people apply and uh they are extraordinary and so talented and i i know that all of them are going to end the year with four job offers and you know that's the whole point of it really and um yeah we just hope to be able to look around and see a sort of different picture in a few years time um, yeah. God, well, so, so many congratulations on that, because actually, it's so easy to think about it, but a lot less easy to actually do it and actually make it happen. Sophie, thank you so much. I've got a question before I, well, there are two things. Um, as you know, I would love to make you a charm to say thank you so much for, for coming on and, and speaking about your life in Seven Charms. So my first question is, do you know which charm you'd like me to make you? <laughs> it's so difficult, and I really thought about it. Um, I think it might have to be Trudel's the Teddy, just because he's so unique, and um, and the way that you've drawn it looks so adorable. And it's just a it's my it's my past and my history. So I'd love to have that. I th- and then you can actually, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because actually I haven't made a teddy for so long. <laughs> it's lovely to make a teddy with the little locket. And then I thought maybe you could have, if you can ease him out of uh, Rainbow's clutches, maybe <laughs> she, she'll let you have a little bit of the cork that's still in his Yes, pocket. that's a good idea. Put it inside the locket when you get that's it. That's a great idea. And one final question to ask everybody is when you're kind of, granddaughter or great-granddaughter finds this drawing of this bracelet of your life in Seven Charms, what would you like him or her to, to um, think of you? How would you? What would you like your legacy to be? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I, you know, I have absolutely no idea. I, I think I, I would just like to be thought of as someone who is um, 
kind and generous and lived a happy life and um, was all about family and yeah that that would be that would be perfect for me Thank you so much for listening to My Life in Seven Charms with me, Anushka Dukas. Please do like, review and subscribe to hear our latest episodes. Thank you to Fairly Media for our audio production.